Hi, and welcome to Serious About Sustainability, the podcast series brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric's Ikadan Air Source Heat Pump. I'm Max Halliwell from Ikadan, and you're listening to a series of podcasts all about renewable home heating. We'll be covering a range of topics from the perspective of UK homeowners, self-builders, contractors and housing associations. Our show today is called Heat Pumps, the UK's Changing Home Heating Landscape. My guest is Russell Dean, Head of Residential Heating and Ventilation at Mitsubishi Electric UK. Welcome, Russell. It's great to see you on the podcast. We've worked with each other for probably 12, 13 years now uh, at Mitsubishi Electric. But just for the benefit of our listeners, can you explain your role as Head of Residential Heating and Ventilation? Yes, thanks, Max. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. Um, well, I've, I've, I've been with Mitsubishi Electric for, for close to 17 years now and, uh, yeah, focusing on uh, residential heat pumps for the last 12 to 13. As head of uh, residential heating and ventilation at Mitsubishi Electric, I'm responsible for um, an element of product development, uh, product marketing, pre-sales design functions. So we help installers, developers with their, with their, with their designs of the systems, sales, um, operations, logistics are delivering the product and an element of, of customer care and, and after, after sales as well. So, yeah, it's quite a varied, varied role that I have at Mitsubishi Electric. Wow. Sounds, sounds like a busy role. There's a lot going on there. It's an amazing role. It's a fantastic role. It's, um, you know, it's such an exciting uh, market or technology sector to be in. It's always had such high expectations for growth. And we've always had this clear vision of, uh, where we were going with the product and the technology from 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 when we launched it 12, 13 years ago. So it's been an exciting journey so far, and it's only ever going to get more exciting when you look at government predictions for the the high uptake of, of low-carbon heating in the next 10 to 15 years. Great. Thanks, Russ. So I think what we'd like to do, and probably um, the most burning question in my mind, is let's start with the last 12 months. I mean, it's been unprecedented what's happened across the globe uh, how's it been for Mitsubishi Electric and uh, what you've been doing? Well, yeah, the last 12 months, where, where do you start? It's, um, it feels like a hell of a journey uh, the last 12 months. I think initially, you know, we were looking at a full lockdown, March, April and May, and, uh, you know, seen a, a significant slowdown in activity in the marketplace. People were in lockdown, not having worked on, on their homes uh, social housing work having work done, new build um, development sites have stopped. So yeah, significant slowdown. And then we started to see the market pick up again in uh, in June. But what we were having were challenges at the factory. So our main production facility for air to water heat pumps is uh, in Livington in Scotland. Uh, and they had tight COVID restrictions placed on the on the factory. And essentially that meant that we, we would operate the factory on a, on a one meter grid and uh, due to social distancing and COVID restrictions, we had to expand that to a two meters grid. So essentially, we had to have less than half as many people in the manufacturing space uh, for the right reasons, but it, it slowed production down to, to close to 40% of what we were capable before. And given that, that that factory supplies Europe, we faced some challenges. So although we, had a, we, we would carry several months worth of stock that soon as the market returned and as activity levels returned, we soon eroded into that stock level going into halfway through the lockdown period uh, where we became really, really tight 
tight for stock. So we became essentially hand to mouth for product. Um, as soon as the factory was making it, it was being delivered and it was going out of going out of the warehouse almost instantly. So we had challenges where we would always been in the position that we could offer stock the next day or product the next day or that week. And we had to completely change our, our business model. So our main challenge has been the, the COVID restrictions on the factory. Um, we, as a, as a business, adapted really quickly. So within a two-week period, everyone was working from home and all of our team was set up to work from home. And we still had our engineers out doing uh, emergency works and emergency visits to sites, but we were really effective from home really quickly. You know, the main, say, restrictions were on production. It sounds just like we had the perfect storm. So we had an unprecedented global pandemic, which had uh, obviously obvious effects on production. And then we had the Green Homes Grant, which caused a spike in demand. Um, yeah, it sounds like it was challenging. Yeah, it was. A perfect storm is a good way to describe it. You know, we had the Green Homes Grants being launched, being vocalised, being advertised, and that and that provided a real spike in the marketplace, um, a real interest into low carbon heating, and um, yeah, and that and that was a challenge. Really, we were we were restricted within production because of COVID restrictions, but the market was, was starting to spike. So yeah, challenges, um, you know, Green Homes Grant put in for all the right reasons. Um, timing was difficult for us as, as an industry, um, but I welcome, you know, positive incentives like that uh, to help us show people what the technology can do and, and vocalise and, and share the technology in, in a positive light. Okay, Russ, but the Green Homes Grant was closed prematurely. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was closed prematurely. And um, my thoughts are it was, it was, like I say, it was very well-intentioned. The timing was slightly off because our, uh, the industry's production facilities were being restricted because of the COVID restrictions. So the timing was slightly off. I think closing it is disappointing. However, uh, what have we learned from that? What have, what have Bayes and what have the government and what have we, we as an industry learned from, from, that, from that scheme? Because it, it's very likely to be that the Clean Homes Grant scheme that's coming after the RHI will be very similar to the Green Homes uh, Grant. So what have we learned? How can we make it similar, simpler? Um, how could we refine the processes? How could the industry be, will be better prepared this time for when it comes? The manufacturers prepared, the installers will be prepared, the consumers prepared, government slightly more prepared. So it's, uh, you know, version two for me. What does version two look like? Let's look at what we've learned from it. Um, certainly the demand in the market is really high now anyway. Um, so it's, it's, it's all looking positive for me. It's disappointing. Uh, and I think people in the industry will have different views on how disappointing it is. But uh, for me, we have the RHI. Uh, we have a vision. We have a goal. We have Boris's 10-point plan. We have a roadmap set out for us. And uh, yeah, let's welcome welcome the next stages. It's almost like a, a perfect storm, essentially, what you're saying. So we had um, socially distanced in the factory, um, combine that with low production numbers and a huge growing demand for the product. So obviously, uh, there's some big challenges there. Yeah. And as, and as, as the world returned uh, in the summertime, the actual demand from products picked up to a higher demand than, than pre-COVID. So uh, you had things like the Green Homes Grant and, uh, and gen people just general feel of, of interest in low carbon heating increased and the expectation and the, uh, the need for, for the product increased. And yet we were, we, were, we were restricted in what we could make. 
So a very frustrating time for us all in that in that sense. So where where are we now then in terms of uh, the ability to supply product manufacturing? Um, you said that we're we're manufacturing Livingston. We we used to manufacture um, most product in. Um, Japan as well. So where are we in terms of uh, supply and customer expectation now? Yeah, a much better place now. So our production facility in Scotland has increased production. So we're now up to the levels production before. We're able to meet the demand. We deviated some production to our, to our other factories and uh, and that allowed us to step up. So I'm really pleased to, 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 to announce really that the the warehouses are full. In fact, we had to go ahead this year and purchase our own dedicated warehouse for our heating products. So we've completely separated away from uh, the rest of the technologies we offer. And we have a dedicated uh, heat pump warehouse now. And that's that's full to the brim. And the factory is uh, is is up and producing a lot of product for us now. Great. Fantastic. Sounds like we're going to come out of this in a, an even better position. Okay. So let's... Um... Let's talk about, I mean, we've both been around this industry uh, for a long time and we've seen a lot of changes as such. I mean, I remember the early days uh, driving around with people saying, well, we're not sure where these are going to sell very well in the UK. Um, and here we are, um, 12, 13 years later in the history of, uh, of Ecodan um, with um, you know, a market-leading product that's, um, that's innovative and it's changed so much in that time period. So let's talk about the, say, the last 12, 13 years of heat pump development and deployment, so those two things. What, what in particular stands out for you, Russ? Uh, good question, Max. I think one poignant memory that stands out for me is when we launched the technology, when we launched our range of heat pumps, and we arranged a test facility uh, at one of our colleagues' houses and invited the, the industry press to see, our, to see our heat pump system. We set it up working. We set so many measurements up to prove how efficient the system was, how quiet the system was, what it looked like, what it was doing. And we're really proud of this technology that we were putting forward. And the first question that we had, or the most poignant question we had from the press was, do you think you'll ever sell one? And uh, it's kind of crazy when you look back now, 12 years later, considering how many we've sold and how many are actually installed and applied. Um, so it's a hell of a journey since then. I think one of the, the poignant lessons for me that we learned is when you look at, if you go back to the early days, opening an airing cupboard, on an early heat pump uh, installation, it would look like the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. And it's, it's quite a scary prospect, not only for a, for a homeowner, but also for, a, for an installer as well. So one of the poignant lessons we learned really quickly is that although we were very proud of this, this complex technology that we developed, that we had to make it really, really simple to, to use, to apply, and to get all the benefits that we designed it for. So that, that was a, a key poignant lesson. It was necessarily not about the box that we were making about this 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 piece of equipment it was more about the user interface became so important after that so essentially what you're saying is um, the early days we had um a box which was which was relatively um diff difficult to install um and maybe not that friendly for the cons for the end users what you're saying maybe for the early adopters it was okay where do you where do you think we are now in terms of the the product itself and the acceptability because this is going to be one of the key things about mass market uptake where do you think we are on that road yeah we've made we've made leaps and bounds as an industry really um, on the heat pump technology for user interface you know most systems are now a smartphone controlled uh, we can monitor live data you know the the actual installation and application of a heat pump can be reduced to 
to one and a half days uh, with the correct labor applied to it. So it's not a, it's not a week long process in many, in many instances now. So yeah, it's very, very simple to apply and install. There's still improvements to be made. And, and that's what we're working on as a manufacturing and as the industry. But you can look at now that it, there should be no new build house that you can't apply a heat pump system to. You know, and even if we look beyond new build because of the, the increased building regulations, but if you look beyond new build into into people's existing homes that have gas boilers and oil boilers now, that you know, ninety ninety five percent of those homes could have a heat pump application um, on, on there now. You know, there needs yep. to be some improvements to insulation <laughs> and things like that and radiators, but you know, it is ready for for mass market deployment. Okay, so what are your thoughts then on on that point you just made about new build? If um, a developer was putting in a heat pump system from start instead of a fossil fuel based system, would they be experiencing much in terms of extra time or labour on cost? In your view, it all depends on the site. It uh, depends on the site whether you have gas already on the site or you have to have gas gas mains brought in uh, for cost. Um, but you say every new build home can have a heat pump applied to it now. There's no there's no major difference apart from having a, you know a room for a cylinder uh, and, and storage facility for a cylinder. Regarding cost, it would depend from site to site. But you know you're looking up to an additional maybe two thousand pounds. Okay. It's not huge then. It's not huge on cost. No, and if you look at the average cost of a of a home in the UK, one hundred eighty, two hundred thousand, it fluctuates as you as you the more south you go. Um, you know, it's not a huge contribution on the total cost of the property to offer a low carbon heating solution. So, if you were to summarise, um, what have we done to make these original complex systems simple, both? from the installer's point of view what have we done to make it simple to install uh, compared to where we were and what have we done for the consumer to make it simpler if you were to just quickly summarize those two points from the installer and then from the consumer what really stands out i think for the installer is offering the support that uh, that we can offer as an industry and as, and as a manufacturer so offering design support offering uh, uh, designs um pre-sales support, working through with the installer what the application is and how best to apply that heat pump. And the controls and the commissioning, just steadily evolving that so it's it's easier and easier. And we're moving, you know, very close to as an industry. We could be close to plug and play, you know, self-commissioning systems. We can even commission our systems remotely now by connecting through our, our mail cloud system. So it just makes it uh, not simple, Simple would be an exaggeration, but but it makes it very logical now way of applying a heat pump to a property. It's easier essentially now. You've got yeah, there's a process in place, and as you say, so you've got you've got pre-sales design. You basically got hand holding every step of the way is essentially what we've got. So from the homeowner and their experience of now living with a system, again, a lot simpler. And yeah, and it's allowing the homeowner to get the maximum benefit from this this complex machine and technology really simply through easy controls such as smartphone controls simplified controllers on the wall so they get the maximum benefit maximum efficiency at a touch of a few buttons and they can see how the system's performing um it's all about education as well and working with our brand ambassador george clark to get out uh, the message that these things are simple to use and simple to apply and um, and the benefits you can get from it, either running costs or, or, or you know re significant reduction in, in carbon emissions 
also looking at the um, the support functions after the sale as well is that we have a 24-7 dedicated homeowner helpline that homeowners can call directly into us. And, uh, and we can give advice on the system's performance and, and help them with, with, with any challenges they have. With the remote access as well through, for our mail cloud systems, we can actually dial into a system now and give a, an over-the-phone diagnostic on how the system's running, uh, the efficiency of the system and throw up any challenges or error codes that are coming up so it's uh it's really smart wow so all that can be done remotely then a phone call and they can access the system that's brilliant so russ you mentioned george clark our brand ambassador so listeners if you're interested in finding out more if you google george clark and ecodan the first hit on the videos is george clark looking at a retrofit install and he takes you through it step by step it's a really interesting good summary of, uh, of an installation the mitsubishi electric ecodan air source heat pump Switch from fossil fuels like oil, LPG and storage heaters to clean, renewable home heating. Visit ultraquietecodan.co.uk for more information. Ecodan, serious about sustainability. So let, let's move on to, um, you've really set the scene now of, of what's happened on the road with being along and where we are now. Um, and just yesterday on the news, they're talking about carbon targets being brought forward even further. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 2035, I believe now they're looking for the, was it the 80% reduction figure by 2035? So that's going to give, and heat pumps were mentioned, um, they're on the radio, they're on TV yesterday, lots of questions being thrown up. So what challenges do you think we face both as a, perhaps as an industry, a nation, I don't know, over the next few years to ensure that we have uptake of um, heat pumps, which can make part of the low carbon heating uh, infrastructure in the UK? Yeah, our, our challenges haven't changed too much. It's just the scale of deployment that, that, that that's changed. So it's, uh, it's a higher expectation quicker than what we first thought as an industry. So, but the challenges haven't changed. It's, it's education. It's people uh, using, applying this technology for the first time. And it's helping them uh, with that change, changing the way that they, they heat their homes. So consumer acceptability is what you're saying. Is that, is that there? Do we need to do more? Absolutely. If, if you look at, to look at mass deployment of heat pumps, the short to medium term huge area for growth in that, that mass deployment would be new build housing, the building regulations, the future home standards will come in in 2025, and that will see the end of gas boilers in new build homes and, and, a, and a significant shift over to low carbon heating in, in new build homes, for which heat pumps are probably the first choice technology there. So my thoughts on that really are, is if you're a developer now, is, is, is not, not to wait to 2025 and, and look at what projects you have coming up now. And, uh, and to do some pilot schemes, some significant size pilot schemes, so you can refine your processes, get used to the technology application, train your installers, uh, train your sales guys within the housing uh, uh, who sell the houses. So everyone's, it's all a refined, understood process by the time we get to 2025, 2026. Right. Because I fear if, if we wait till then before we make that move, it's it's such a significant step for, for someone that your learning process is, is too far along then. We, sh- we should start now. Start engaging now. Yep. Little baby steps now. So we're, so we're ready for that point. That makes sense. Okay. It really does feel that the time has arrived in the UK for heat pumps. Um, there's been a call to action from um, 
space. Um, that's the Department for Business, Energy, and Industrial Strategy for the industry. Do you do you feel do you feel that way as well? That this is this is the moment, a time for this technology has really arrived. Yes, th- this is the time, and uh, and like I said earlier on, it, it, what an exciting marketplace and sector to be in. Uh, and, and now we have, you know, we have Boris's ten point plan. The industry knows it's always understood where it could possibly go but now we know for certain that uh, you know we're heading towards uh, an excess of a million heat pumps installed with in past 2030 so it's uh, it's really exciting the growth that's expected from that industry is huge uh, the new uh, employment new jobs that will be available new businesses that will need to be conceived and brought along to to to, to allow that growth it's just exciting it's it really is and and without a shadow of a doubt we we as an industry face challenges and that's that's why i really call for collaboration collaboration from the manufacturers collaboration for uh, with developers with installers everyone that's involved needs to collaborate and work together to get uh, to, to help this growth it's, it's predetermined now what will happen and uh, let's work together and make it a real success i noticed there was um, an interesting press release from the heat pump association a few weeks ago about the um, numbers of heat pumps that are going to be um, put into the uk that was interesting because a lot of people are asking can we can we get up to these numbers of 600 700 per annum by 2028 and that was quite refreshing to see those numbers from the heat pump association saying their members were were, were getting that the first step was almost doubling in the last in the from the last 12 months the, the next 12 months so surely that should give us all confidence that if we can double one year um, we can just keep going. Yes. Yeah. Really exciting again, because you can now see the confidence from the heat pump manufacturers that uh, there is a, a defined roadmap for us now. And there are some things to decide along the way that, that could possibly change. But um, it, there's a lot of confidence in the industry now that investment into manufacturing facilities in the UK for us specifically is what we need to do uh, to achieve that growth. And it's it is very simple. You know, the the bigger the market grows, the more we invest in manufacturing facilities, the more jobs create, the more opportunities yep. are created, and it just grows. So, so the demand can be met every step of the way. Excellent. So let's let's talk about um, Mitsubishi Electric specifically. Um, you obviously head up the whole department, and you've got a, you've got a vision of uh, what's coming and where we're going, and the expansion of. Um, new products, et cetera. So specifically with Mitsubishi Electric, do you think there's going to be some major changes in terms of uh, the product lineup, our offering? Where do, where do you see that going along the next five years? What do you think we need to do as both a manufacturer and industry to change in terms of product lineup, um, if anything? Yeah, I mean, with the side of the product line, if we went back to, to early days of the product lineup, the focus of, of a manufacturer was our COP, if you like, our coefficient of performance. How efficient could you make a heat pump? And, and that COP performance measurement was measured at a, a specific point, And you could say our, our coefficient of performance, our efficiency was 3, 3.2, 4 even in some instance. Um, and that was looking at a specific point in time. And then we're moving towards seasonal performance, which is a much more reliable figure to go off. And then I think that the marketplace moved towards noise. And as you can see, we launched our, our ultra quiet range. So one of the quietest heat pumps on the market. And um, and the industry is moving that uh, easy application you know, a lot of the premium products are very, very quiet on site, very, very little noise. Now it's controls, it's interfaces. So the product, the market's developing. So it's very simple uh, to control. To control heat pump, as we discussed. I think aesthetics form a part of it now. 
But for me, it's controls. It's 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 now using a heat pump with the smart grid that's coming, you know, a smart home that's not, not too far away. We see a lot of applications now for smart homes. We have ourselves about 10 trial projects with smart homes, with smart grid, with energy storage, with batteries, used with heat pumps, PV panels. Um, and I think that is the next step forward for the industry. And uh, say, we as a manufacturer in Mitsubishi Electric have made that step forward. Our, our products are ready now for a smart grid, grid application. And I think that is the, the next significant step forward uh, in the marketplace. Okay, that's great, Russ. I, I get that. So what about as we move into um, what I call the mass market uptake of heat pumps? We've obviously got, um, I hate the cliche, but I'm going to use it, the low-hanging fruit, which I see as the the off-gas, the oil-type properties, which you know seem to be an obvious place for heat pumps to sit. But when we move into the on-gas grid and we start retrofitting, we know that gas is very cheap um, in comparison to electricity in this country. So what are your thoughts there long-term about this movement to mass market for heat pumps on the on-gas area, which is, is something the government want us to do? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, gas gas could be three, four, five pence per kilowatt hour, and electricity could be in excess of, of 17 pence per kilowatt hour. So there's a there's a huge disparity there, uh, and the reason why electricity is so high is it carries a lot of the carbon levies uh, on the electricity price, and that and that puts it up so high. So although a heat pump system um, can be three times as sufficient as a gas boiler, it's actually three times the cost for the primary fuel. Um, and that's a challenge when you're when we're looking at uh, the run cost calculations. But it's 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 not right that all the carbon cost sits on electric electric on the electric price, and that will change. I, I will see that that will change in, in the future. One of the key things that's changing now is, is agile tariffs. So if you can use electricity at off peak times, uh, then you can buy it at a significantly reduced rate. And therefore, the run cost system of a, an electric-based system is significant. And we've got a couple of sites now where we're trialing this with our with our systems and our technology, using agile tariffs and doing a hot water cycle at low peak times or preheating the home at low peak times. We can get the, the you know the, the average cost for electricity down to 10, 12 pence per kilowatt hour. So it's it's a significant saving on the 17 pence per kilowatt hour that people are paying now. And I think that that is a, is, a, is a big step forward. Agile tariffs are so important in that scenario. And in time, we will see gas prices rise and electricity possibly fall with that change of where the carbon taxes are placed, the carbon levies are placed more onto the fossil fuels. And it will now become evidently possible that uh, heat pump systems will be a lot cheaper to run uh, than, a, than an existing gas boiler. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So what you're saying is with an agile tariff, you, if you approach 10, 12 pence per kilowatt hour, that means your equivalent COP or SCOP doesn't have to be through the roof um, in comparison. And also, as you say, as the as the levies change. Right. Okay. Well, that, that really does make sense. So that's probably going to kick in, what do you think, the next few years, five years or so? When do you think we'll be seeing these tariffs being introduced? Do you think they're, we're near? Well, the sun provider is offering that now, Max. So oh, wow. okay. yeah, yeah, I'll have to, yes. I'll have to switch. yeah there's there's some providers offering it now we're working with them uh, on propositions uh, and strategies our our equipment's ready to go now the controls are ready to go and all it needs is simple thought on on how to prioritize certain things at certain times and let's say we can we can reduce that uh, the average price of electricity usage i've got last Couple of questions for you, Russ, before we wrap up. Uh, time's really flown. We've covered a lot of material. Um, earlier on, you mentioned that 
Um, residential heating now have their own dedicated warehouse. So what are the implications to the business for that now? Can you just tell us, um, obviously, it's, a, it's dedicated. Does that, what does that mean to our clients, et cetera? It allows us now to develop our logistics service, whereas before our, our delivery service was going out with all types of technologies that Mitsubishi Electric delivered. We're now solely focused on on uh, air to, on residential heat pumps. So it's our, it's our logistics facility can now adapt to the marketplace and, uh, and we can improve that. It's all about consumer facing now, uh, what we can, how we can make it easier um, uh, and improve that service to consumers of how we deliver um, and set up and, and install and apply our product is all part of the journey for a consumer. And one last question, which is really, really important for both installers and consumers, um, and it really helps the roadmap, is the future grant funding streams. What have we got available now and where are we going? And do you think that's enough at the moment to give, um, say, someone as an installer the confidence that the business is going to be in place and they can keep promoting incentives and also a homeowner thinking about uh, changing to a heat pump? What have we got in place at the moment? Yeah, so we have the RHI and we've had the, the RHI for some time. And that, that's open till March 22, the domestic and renewable heat incentive. So that's, that's a, the, the biggest driver incentive-wise for, for a homeowner to consider change to a, to a low-carbon heating system such as a heat pump. Post-March uh, 22, we will have the, the Clean Homes Grants, um, which will be an upfront grant to a homeowner for changing their, their fossil fuel system out uh, for a heat pump. Um, and then that will go on for, well, that's, that's uh, present, that's, that's going to go on for two years and um, probably likely to be extended or refined depending on the uptake of the technology for mass market deployment, we obviously have the change to the building regulations in, in 2025, which will be the future home standard. And that will see a significant increase um, for, for, for heat pump demand in new builds. Um, and still things yet to be decided Like after the, the Clean Homes Grant. What is next? What will help us in that deployment? Will it be... Will the, uh, the, you know, the agile tariffs that we talk about, the smart home, the energy storage, yep. will that be a significant driver so that, will, that will help people convert from, from fossil fuels over to a heat pump, a low-carbon heating system? And uh, that's yet to be decided. We can, we can see what it possibly could be. Um, and that's what makes it so exciting is that you know, we've got to constantly – evolve our technology in our offering and our, and our consumer offering to move with with the changing times uh, and like i say these agile tariffs and the smart home is, is the next exciting step for, for the industry so russ it sounds like from the retrofit side we've got a decent two to three year roadmap uh, which will give installers and homeowners confidence and then from what you've spelled out there in terms of the future homes consultation and we've got the part l changes there's a there's a medium to long term so overall things for the industry look quite robust from what you're saying yeah if you look at if you look at boris's 10 point plan if you look at you know the phasing out of oil boilers there's 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 as I understand, there's 1.7 million oil boilers in situ that will move over to a low-carbon heating technology. Boris is talking about phasing out gas boilers in 2023, 2030. You know, um, the roadmap is there. There's some specifics missing from that roadmap, but we understand where we're heading to. And uh, and like I say, we collaboration for me for the industry is so important because we we will have challenges along the way along that roadmap. 
growth pains. You know, we will always face growth pains. When we expect an industry to grow this quickly, you will face growth pains, either through production, product facilities, uh, support mechanisms. Uh, we will face growth pains as an industry, but you say it's just so exciting to, to, to be on that trajectory. Okay, so Russ, so based on what you said, if I was a developer, uh, what should I be doing now? Pick up the phone, speak to us, um, have a look at our website, have a look at the tools that we offer, have a look at the support that we can offer. We can support you through this whole process from design, installation, application, commissioning, after-sales care, service and maintenance. Um, we as an industry and we as a manufacturer are ready now. We can help you in this transition in the way that you're heating the homes that you're building. Don't wait till 2025 don't wait for that impending deadline. Pick up the phone now, speak to us because we can help you with trial projects now so that when we get to 2025 and beyond, it's a very slick, easy and professional application of, of the technology. So yeah, collaborate, pick up the phone, talk to us. Uh, we're ready to support you. Four years to get ready, essentially. Yeah. Well, Russ, time has really flown. We've come to the end of our podcast. Um, but just as a closing thought, what are you looking forward to most uh, in the future for the heat pump industry? Yeah, Max, thanks for having me on. It's been it's been really good. I think the next 17 years, really, where will we be in 17 years' time? I mean, hopefully I'll be close to retirement, but <laughs> that's our vision. That's our vision and our goal. In 17 years' time, will every home in the UK have a low-carbon heating system? And that's been our vision and our goal from the start of this, going back the past uh, 12 years. Um, we've always been fixed on that goal. It's our contribution to society. You know, we're committed to that. Um, we've got a great team. Uh, it's ever expanding our offering, our team, our support system. So, yeah, bring on the next 12 to 17 years for me. Brilliant. Thanks, Russ. And um, hopefully see you soon. Thank you, Max. See you later. So there you have it. Heat pumps, the UK's changing home heating landscape. A huge thanks to my guest, Russell Dean, for coming on the show. Thanks, Russell. Thank you for listening. And please share, subscribe, rate and review the Ecodan Series About Sustainability podcast. Until next time, goodbye.